0: Celebrating 10 years of bringing you stories and insights from legends around the world of sports. It's
1: Thursday Night Tailgate. No one gets you inside the mind of the greatest legends in the game like we do. Plus, check out our spotlight on the positive segment to hear the great things players are doing in their communities. Now, sit back, relax, relax, And enjoy the show with your hosts, Chris Mascaro and Bob Lazeri. Hey, go get them, guys.
2: Good evening, folks, and welcome to Thursday Night Tailgate, where your favorite NFL legends live. Chris Mascaro and Bob Lazeri back with you for the next couple of hours. So like we always say, sit back, relax. Let us take your mind off everything else going on in your life. Bob, happy Super Bowl week, my friend. How are you?
3: You too, Chris. We finally got there and uh, let the hype stop pretty soon, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. I tell you, Bob, you know, I, it's hard for me to believe that we're at the end of another football season, that after Sunday, that's it. And we're... Yeah, we're on hiatus again uh, for the most part for another six months until we get to, you know, July for training camp. Obviously we have the, the, uh, the draft in April, but boy, it just seems like the season starts and it's over. It's that way every year. I don't know if it's because we're so excited for it to get started that it's like going on a trip when we were kids and you're going to go on the the family vacation. You look forward to it. You look forward to it. You get there and then it's over in the blink of an eye. Sort of feels like the NFL season's that way.
3: Yeah, it's a good point, Chris. I mean, it didn't seem that long ago where, you know, in August, you put in your predictions and, you know, people ask me and it doesn't seem like it's been that long since I said I'm going to see, I want to see a replay of Kansas City and Tampa Bay, which didn't work out for me, but, um, you're right. I mean, I don't know how to explain that, especially now with the longer NFL season, but, um, it does go by, Chris. February does get here quick. <laughs> yes,
2: it does. Speaking of going by quick, what would you think of that Pro Bowl, Bob? Was that an exciting game? Boy, that was just, I could go on like that for seconds. I tell you what, uh, <laughs> it, it seems like that game is becoming less relevant every year. What
4: would you think?
3: Well, you know what, Chris, I, I can honestly say for maybe about the 20th year in a row, I didn't watch it. Uh, I, I'll look at some highlights and I saw some, I saw Mac Jones having a little fun and everything. But again, it's not, it's not a football game. It's an event. We've talked ad nauseum about it the last few years. You know, why do they have it? Um, when you can't have teams represent, uh, 10 players that are in super, et cetera, et cetera, guys pulling. just such a joke you know why not just have a show where you honor the guys you know like an award show or something uh don't call that football chris i mean why not put flags and play flag football on the beach like i said before but i didn't watch it chris i couldn't even tell you the score
2: (laughs) (laughs) same i uh i I never turned it on I was wasn't ever interested to see what was going on like you i tuned in got a couple of highlights here there but it's just, it just the game is becoming more and more pointless every year. I really hope they do away with it. Do something else, whatever you want to do. I've I've been in favor of a skills challenge for years. I used to love watching the the great quarterbacks of the '80s when they were you know throwing at those uh, targets that were moving across the field and and that sort of thing. So I'd rather see them do that. And to your point, you know, have a nice ceremony, talk about the guys, you know, the season they had, and give them a, whatever you want to give them. But uh, the play of this game, to me, is just ridiculous at this
3: point. I'm with you.
2: Bob, is this a, a Super Bowl you're excited to watch coming up on Sunday? I know for myself as a Steelers fan, the thought of the Bengals in the Super Bowl was disgusting to me. I, 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 I got to watch the Bengals in the Super Bowl, really? Um, I'm happy for two of my best friends that are both Rams fans, our announcer, Joe Lajanusa, another one of my best friends, Bob Andriano, big Rams fan. So I'm happy for those guys. But I uh, wanted to get your take. What's uh, are you excited about this game?
3: Well, you know, for every Super Bowl, Chris, I think if you're a uh you know a, a pretty diehard football fan with not a favorite team, and I, and that's where I would fall into. I think every game is is uh, you know you look excited. You know, it may not be the game that the networks wanted, not the teams that I picked for the Super Bowl, but you got to give credit to the teams that got there, no matter how they fought their way there. There's always a, a you know, nice storylines in it and guys getting there. So, you know, I mean it's uh you know, you tune it you tune it on and whoever wins is gonna be the world champion. So I mean it is it is pretty I do get excited, Chris. I just get turned off by all of the hype and everything. So I have to be kind of resourceful on Super Bowl Sunday. I do not turn the T V on until six thirty. And then uh during halftime I'll shower, shave and maybe take a walk. <laughs> And see, because it gets all—it's all about football to me. And I usually time it pretty good. And uh, at the end, I'll just turn it right off too. I mean, I saw what I wanted to do. I don't need all the storylines, the you know, the awards. So I don't need any of that. Just let me watch the game and appreciate it for football.
2: So you're not turning on the uh, Super Bowl pregame show that starts what about six six thirty a.m. You're not doing that. You're not watching it all day. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I, no, I don't do that. I mean, I, uh, I'd i be exhausted by game time. And, you know, I mean, we we see enough of it, analyzing uh, all couple weeks up to it and everything. But, you know, just let me see the game. And, uh, you know, I could do it all. Everything, I, I just don't get into the halftime shows anymore. I don't think they're that good like they were uh, back in the day. So uh, that's just me, though.
2: Bob, ticket prices have actually come down a little in the last 48 hours for the game. but. Nosebleed seats are going for about four grand a piece. So $8,000 uh, for you and a family member to go watch uh, ants run around on a field from, you know, about 40,000 feet up. The lower bowl, the 50 yard line, you know, the big daddy tickets, they're going for $39,000 a piece. Can you fathom taking a second mortgage out to go watch the Super Bowl?
3: No. Um, uh, and I think. It's not just this game, it's it's sports in general. But but focusing on this game, Chris, um, I think a lot of ego comes into it. If you're a regular guy and you're making a decent salary, uh, but you want to pay that much then it comes down to, you know, you just wanna say that you are at a Super Bowl. You're not cared about you're not caring about your financial situation, maybe your family and everything. Uh, to me, if you have that money to put out, it's one thing if you have $10 million in the bank. Although, if I were to pay thirty, forty thousand dollars 40000 for a ticket, Chris, I think that person can feed a lot of hungry people with that money. That's just my opinion. But, uh, and that's not the person paying for it's fault. But to get, to charge those kind of prices, and we've talked about it all the time, up here at Yankee Stadium, Chris, I mean, you gotta think of, you know, Giving up a trip to Disney in lieu of going to a Yankee game. That's how insane it is here. Uh it's been like that for ten years or so at least. I have friends of mine who have young kids who uh can't go to a Yankee game. Uh they have to say, you know, should I make my mortgage payment, like you said, or should I go to the Yankee game or can I go to Disney? It's that crazy, Chris. Uh, so that's what really turns me off about this. I try not to read too much about it. But it is eye opening when the numbers that you sent me were uh were published and um uh, again if you had that kind of money to throw away, why don't you throw it on something that's uh, more beneficial to mankind?
2: <laughs> Indeed. Bob, looking back over the previous 55 Super Bowls, do you have a favorite? Is there a game or two that uh, you look back on and say, boy, that was that was great. I enjoyed watching well,
3: it. Well, you know, when we're our age, Chris, um, you know, I've seen more than 50 of them. Uh, And obviously, there's been so many good ones, you know, but number, I'll just throw a few at you that that stood out to me. Number one, the first one I can remember, and it's probably, it changed the history of sports probably, was Super Bowl three, uh, you know, when the Jets upset the Colts. I mean, just think about what was happening, Chris. First of all, I was eight years old. That's the first one I remember. And I remember my father, you know, talking about this guy in the Jets with the white shoes and the Colts were supposed to murder him by 20 points or more, and my father kept saying to me, Bobby, just watch that guy with the white shoes. He's a good, he's a good player. And, uh, you know, he, I didn't know anything about the guarantees and all this stuff. And, you know, but that changed when you think about it, Chris, that changed the course of the AFL. Uh, you know, who knows if, if the Colts had blown them out? I mean, who knows if the AFL would have ever really gotten on the map and taken a stronghold, stronghold. So, I mean, to me, the first one I remembered is one of the most important sporting events in history. Never mind, the uh, great Super Bowl. But of course, 13, Super Bowl 13, you remember it. Steelers, yeah. Cowboys. You know, that was the Steel Curtain Doomsday defense. What a matchup. And, you know, it lived up to the hype, Chris, 35-31. You look at the rosters now looking back, Hall of Famers galore and MVP is Bradshaw. That, that stood out to me just because of the, just the star power in it. And of course, um, you know the Giants in Super Bowl twenty-five up here in Northeast. That was huge. You know the Bills were favorite. Bills, uh, you know that was their first trip to the Super Bowl. You figure they would have a few Super Bowls after that, at, at least as winners. It never happened. The whole Scott Norwood thing was brutal. MVP Otis Anderson, who's been on our show, that one stood out to me. Uh, and a good Super Bowl thirty-six when uh, the Patriots won. You know when they beat the greatest show on turf another one where the you know, that was the third, that was one of the biggest upsets since Super Bowl three, the name is stuff going on because that greatest show on turf, they led the league in everything that year, Chris. And that really put Brady on the map and the rest is history, Renateri and everything and and one more I'll throw at you and I'll and this is kind of self evident. I mean self Super Bowl forty nine when the Patriots beat Seattle, I mean Wilson still I don't he's through the past chris he threw he threw <laughs> the past and uh I, I you know i wake up every almost every morning and i say, you know he threw that ball and uh every time i see a, a uh a commercial in beast mode i'm thinking to myself uh that's just amazing but yeah that's just yeah. There, there are so many chris again you can probably add to these especially being a, a dealer fan but there are so many great ones but that's just why this stood out
2: yeah. And, and I'm with you on, on, on all of those. I mean, obviously as a Steelers fan, the four Super Bowls in the seventies are my, are some of my favorite memories in, in uh, football history. Obviously the two wins over the Cowboys that much sweeter to your point. You right. know, the Cowboys with the doomsday defense and Roger Staubach and Tony Dorset and all, all the stars that they had for the Steelers to, uh, beat them twice in the span of a couple of years, uh, was exciting. We'll talk with Rocky Blair obviously about those a little bit later on in the show. The Super Bowl that, uh, the two that are my favorite of the Steelers, uh, is, you know, Super Bowl, the Super Bowl following the 79 uh, season in January of 1980 when they beat the Rams. And, and the reason for that is because the Pirates had won the World Series the prior October. So they became the city of champions there with, uh, you know, those, those few months. So those, those, that win and those two wins, uh, are very important to me in, in my childhood. Super Bowl 43. Pretty special as well for the James Harrison hundred yard pick six as the you know the first half was expiring the San Antonio Holmes toe tap touchdown uh, that won that game Uh those those stand out to me but uh, to your point the the two Giants Super Bowl victories over the Patriots when no, no one thought that they should win either of those games heck you never even thought the Giants really even belonged in the Super Bowl you know the, the first time around in the nine and seven. And they go in there to beat the Patriots and then to beat the undefeated Patriots. No, last year. You know, both of those stick out in my memory as uh, something that uh, was uh, very, very special.
0: It's time for another edition
5: of Bob
0: Take. So, Bob, tell us what's on your mind tonight?
2: Get into this week's edition of Bob's Take. And Bob, I want to start by getting your thoughts on who's under the most pressure on Sunday. Is it the Rams with you know head coach John McVay and obviously Matthew Stafford finally getting an opportunity to play in the postseason, at least get some wins. I think he was in the postseason a couple of times but lost in the first round. But you got McVay already zero and one in Super Bowls from a couple of years ago. Matthew Stafford just celebrated his thirty fourth birthday here this week on the seventh. So uh, his career is getting a little bit long in the tooth. Can't be that many more opportunities for him. So are the Rams and and those guys under the most pressure or is it Joe Burrow? And we know he's only in his second year, but Dan Marino can tell you all about thinking you're going to get back several more times and it never happens. So in your opinion, your take, who's under the most pressure this week?
3: I uh, I don't think there's any question. The Rams are under a lot of more pressure, Chris, uh, you know, being home Practically, as, well, it's as a home team visitor, technically a visitors, I guess, but they're home. McVeigh to cement his place as a, you know, he's always talked about as an offensive genius and a great coach. Well, I mean, to, to really cement that he needs this win. Stafford was brought here to win. I mean, that's a lot of pressure on him in his first year, but still, uh, it is kind of a dream team situation. They added to the mix during the season, as you know, on defense, et cetera, et cetera. So, I don't think any question. I mean, yeah, I mean, you can't, you may not get to another Super Bowl for a while if you're Burrow, but I think, uh, Zach Taylor and the youth of that team and just the confidence that they show, I, I think they're going to have other chances, but I don't think there's any question. The Rams, uh, you know, it, it it's not a must win situation for McVay, but I think there's a lot more pressure on him. I don't think Burrow shows pressure at all. I saw that guy throughout the playoffs with two minutes left in the game, didn't look like he broke a sweat. So they're, uh, they have no pressure on them.
2: Next, Bob, with the Bengals in the Super Bowl, win or lose, are they even going to be the favorite to get back to the Super Bowl next year? When you look at the Chiefs and the Bills, I think most people think those are the two best teams in the AFC. Would the Bengals even be the favorite in the AFC next year? Are they, are they one, are they two, are they three? What are your thoughts on where the Bengals line up as a favorite in the AFC next
3: season? That's a terrific question, Chris. You know, and not to cop out of this, but I think you're talking 1A, 1B, and 1C because think about it. They're all led by great quarterbacks. It's all a question of what team in the offseason tweaks their team, uh, in the right direction. You know, they're obviously none of those teams are far away from at winning championships, never mind winning their divisions or whatever. So I think, you know, there's there's got to be some things on defense that the Chiefs need to do. Will they address that? Most likely. Bills, I mean, you know, disappointment because uh, that team, you know, probably should have gone farther. And the Bengals, you know, here, depending on what they do here, Chris, um, you know, I think they're only going to get better. You know, it's not like they're going to disband. That There's such a young squad, young coach. Um you might have to give the Bengals, I mean dependent, they're so loaded with confidence right now. Um and to get they went farther than the other teams and that's always going to be a little chip on their shoulders. So 1A, one 1B one and 1C put them in any order you want.
2: One more Bob, the NFL is going to play 5 games internationally next season. 3 games in London, one in Mexico and they just announced this week they've added a game in Germany. How long do you think it's going to be now? Before we have one or maybe even two teams in an expansion in the NFL that are going to be there over in Europe.
3: I think London is going to be, uh, I think that's a gimme, Chris, by 2025. I know that's the commissioner's goal. Uh, Goodell wants that. I mean, you know, and when the president, uh, the commissioner of the most popular sport on the earth and, and the money make, when he wants something, they should get it. And, you know, when it came down this week that, you know, all these teams are giving their marketing rights to, uh, to different, uh, countries. You know, you look under Germany and United Kingdom. United Kingdom got the rights for about seven or eight teams, Chris. You could tell what they're trying to do. They're trying to do that. Mexico is big too, uh, in Germany. Those three right there have the most rights now, you know, with the direct access to the international market. So there's all, it's already undergoing, you know, the marketing of it. But I think uh, UK, you know, with the Wembley Stadium thing, a yearly thing, you know, all that, you're going to definitely see a team there in 2025. You know, how it'll affect the travel and everything is something they got to look at in contract talks and everything like that. But yeah, it's going to expand, Chris. And if there's money to be made, uh, Goodell will find it.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's spot on for sure. All right, folks, that's this week's edition of Bob's Take. We got a jam packed show for you tonight with our guest. Kevin Chalfant, Tony Collins, Tony Reno, and Rocky Blyer. We'll be right back with Kevin Chalfant right on the other side of this real quick station break. This
0: is Reggie Kelly, former Cincinnati Bengals and Atlanta Falcons tight end. And you're listening to TNT, Thursday Night Tailgate. Brace yourself for the explosion.
2: All right. Now back with us here on Thursday Night Tailgate is singer-songwriter Kevin Chalfant. Kevin has been the lead singer for groups like 707, Steel Breeze, and I came to know and love his stuff when he joined the band The Storm back in the 90s, along with Journey members Greg Raleigh, Ross Valerie, Steve Smith, plus guitarist Josh Ramos. Their song, I've Got A Lot To Learn About Love, was a top 10 hit in 1991. In 1995, he was set to step up and be the next lead singer for Journey before Steve Perry rejoined the band. In 2003, Kevin toured as the lead vocalist for the Alan Parsons Live Project. In 07, Kevin released a CD titled Fly to Freedom, a 13-track solo CD covering his favorite Journey songs. That year, he was honored with a Lifetime Achievement Award in the entertainment industry in his hometown of Chicago. Kevin is currently touring with the Voices of Rock Radio, he and John Elephant, formerly of Kansas, and Randall Hall, formerly of Leonard Skinner. They're going to be at Oaklawn Racetrack and Casino this Saturday night in Hot Springs, Arkansas. So folks, if you're anywhere near that area, you're not going to want to miss that show. And We're very excited that Kevin is back with us tonight here on Thursday Night Tailgate. Hey, Kevin, Chris, and Bob, thanks for coming hey, back Kevin. on the show.
1: What are you guys doing? What an <laughs> intro. Man, I was going, that guy
2: really well got some stats. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Kevin, it's been a minute, my friend. How are you? Tell us uh, what's been going uh, on with you.
1: Oh man. Well, you know, I I I was uh I was like everybody else in the dugout 2020, 2021, you know, uh started kind of picking up okay and now we're we're about maybe half about half of what we should be doing, but it's picking up. So uh, I'm I'm blessed. I'm I'm grateful. And thank you guys for uh remembering I'm over here, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we should never, never it's
2: forget. Cold. Here, haven't you, Kevin. you kid me? It's cold over
5: here, by
2: <laughs> the way. No doubt yeah. it is. Yeah. Kevin, talk to us about uh, the Chicago Bears. Are you, are you happy that yeah, obviously the season didn't go well, but they've made some changes at head coach, made some changes at GM. What, what's your opinion of what you're seeing from your Bears?
1: It's like, I don't know. It's either like a roulette wheel, or kind of like
0: um a slot machine. You you know, you you're
1: waiting for the right numbers. That's all I'm saying. Dude, I'm waiting <laughs> for the right numbers. <laughs> you know what I got to say? You know I you know I I had I had some issues and I kind of stepped back. I stepped back a little bit and I I kind of felt like ah, a little bit of the heat was off and so I I I was I kind of got back into watching football again because you know i love the game man i mean how can you not love football you know the the playoffs were pretty exciting they were pretty yeah. exciting um, man uh i got a lot of friends. i got a lot of friends in la and i got a lot of friends in cincinnati and I, and they're both uh you know they're, they're both teams are pretty uh pretty awesome man i uh, kind of was sorry to see uh the big guy step down and step out. Uh, I was never, I don't know. I shouldn't say I was never a Patriots fan because I, I don't know. I guess what made me a Patriots fan was Brady, you know, and, and, and a lot of people hate Brady and you know what? I, I just was amazed with his talent, you know, and I, I just, I thought about this a little while ago when I, you know, because I knew we, we'd be talking and, uh, and, you know, what went through my mind is I remember, <laughs> I remember uh, several years ago, Barack Obama got on the, you know, on a speech and he said, you know, giving kids, you know, some advice. And he said, don't ever uh, draw your inspiration from trying to prove someone wrong. And I was like, that ticked me off a little bit because I, I could tell you for a fact that Tom Brady has spent his whole career chapping the 49ers hide about passing him up. <laughs>
5: <off.">
1: okay. <laughs> and he's got more rings than, 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 uh, you know, Montana because of it. And he's he spanked him hard. He's been spanking him for, for years. And, you know, I, uh, I love Tom Brady and, you know, I, I go around and around with, even with my sons about it, you know, but you can't deny the man his, and you know, at, at the end of the season for him, you know, um, I thought, man, they, they just, you know, he's always won because they've always had such a strong line, you know, protecting him. And I think he just kind of got to the, to the place was like, I, I, I just can't worry about the front line anymore. I know I what I can do, but I think he just finally said, yeah, maybe it's time. And, and I, I know he said it half-heartedly because I, you know, I, I I don't think he really wants to quit. I think he's got plenty of winning left in him, you know? Right. Um, that's that's not what you asked me, but that's what I'm telling you.
5: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Kevin, I know you're you know, a big wish- baseball fan, too. How's how's everyone there in Chicago thinking about, you know, what's going on between the Major League Owners and the Players Association and getting spring training going in a baseball season? You guys worried?
1: Well, I'm a Cubs fan, but, you know, they've never invited me to sing at the stadium, At you know. The White Sox and, did, though, right? The White Sox, yeah, the White Sox have. So, I mean, I'm always rooting for the White Sox, but. But I, I, I'm a Chicago fan, you know, uh, they've just been breaking my heart since I was a kid, but, <laughs> uh, you know, you kind of grow up and figure, well, I guess it's just part of life, but I think it would be awesome to see Chicago have a, have a bumper crop year again, you know, um, uh, coming out of what we've all been going through, uh, you know, it, you can, you can just see that the team, that are winning they're they're just they're inspiring their cities you know Mm
5: -hmm. and
1: i but trust me chicago really needs a win because chicago's got kicked around quite a bit you know i would say from within you know the mayor's office for one and not to go political but you know it it's been it's been brutal it's been really brutal and people just want to have their lives back and and sometimes they can forget about all that crap if they just had somebody kicking butt on a team. So <laughs> that's all. That's right.
5: You know, any team,
1: Kevin? I don't care. Girls <laughs> softball winning, that would, would help, you know.
3: Anything, right? It's always great to have you back, Kevin. Uh, we love having you on the show. And I want you to tell us more about growing up in Illinois and how you like developed a love for sports, maybe sports you played. Maybe guys who you followed, uh, what gave you a love for sports at a young age? Um,
1: well, I did play a little bit of baseball, but, you know, I, I was never one of those grand slammers, man. I had, I had buddies that could just, you, you could throw them almost a dirt ball and they'd put it over the back fence, you know, and yeah. I, I just, baseball was fun to play with my buddies on at just at a park somewhere. But when, when it came down to the game, I couldn't handle that pressure, man. You know, it was just that's not what I was wired for. But I did play basketball, at least in, in when I was in elementary school, high school. Here's what happened to me. I was like a normal sized kid when we were all real young. And then we, we had like, like we broke for summer vacation. And when we came back, everybody grew about two feet and I'm still the same height. i think i've been about the same height since i was about uh, you know a freshman in high school so sports, i shifted gears i thought okay well my brother was was a musician and 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 he, he uh he he was a good swimmer man he went to state and all that kind of stuff i was just i don't know i love sports but i was never really like one of those jocks that like could do do it all i i I was a supporter of those who did you know
3: i i find it ironic kevin you know you can't handle the pressure but you can sing in front of thousands of people right so you know well uh, i guess that's how you
1: look at it
5: right
1: (laughs) yeah I, i i'm i i kind of been blessed you know i i'm you know i'm i i'm i humbly say this that you know um I used to I used to work really hard at it and I wanted to you know have something and everybody kept telling me oh, you kind of need to get your own style and stuff and it's a hit and miss thing You're, it really is not just with songs but it's with performances so I try to just take care of myself I don't I don't kill myself with alcohol and drugs and all that kind of stuff you know I try to I don't even want to go in a dusty room you know what I'm saying <laughs> I just I, I'm serious, man. It's temperamental. So I, 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 I just, you know, I, I want to work hard at it. And, you know, you guys mentioned John Elefante. Well, you know, John and I kind of hooked up uh, back here a few years ago and started doing some shows with other people. And we said, hey, you know, why don't we just do it? I, I had started a kind of an all-star band in 2008 called the Voices of Rock Radio. And John and I kind of, started partnering on that. And I'll tell you what, uh, when you're singing in a room with John Elefante, that guy has still got his pipes like when he was in Kansas. And, <clears throat> you know, that you don't want to go on, on, you know, with on the same stage and suck. So you, you know, uh, I, I don't know how these, these athletes view it, you know, cause I don't have like a whole team of, of, you know, bloodthirsty people looking at me, uh, you know, so my job, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think we got it a little easier than, than those quarterbacks because they all want to kill him. Uh, they just, <laughs> they just want to shoot me in the eye with a pea shooter or something. I don't know, but hey, as long as the monitors are okay and I can hear myself, I, I, I try to have a lot of fun,
5: you know.
3: You know, Kevin, I i look at a lot of pictures on your Facebook page and and just, you know, I, I just love looking at like old concert footage. And, you know, I, I attended almost every act in the seventies and eighties that came to New Haven. And yeah. I would be sitting close to the stage. You know, I'd have people get me tickets and I was just amazed how warm it can get in there. And then when you're under the, under the, and how, how these guys sweat and perform for two and a half hours. Do you, <laughs> do you can you uh, relate to how hot it can get? Some of these guys were just wrench and we know they're not a lot of them. Kevin aren't drinking Gatorade. They're drinking a little bit stronger. That might dehydrate So I mean, yeah. talk about that experience. It's pretty wild to me.
1: Well, it, it used to be like that, Bob. It used yeah. to be. We were. I was just talking about. I did a show uh, last week. Actually, in a in a in an old AAA baseball stadium down in um, uh, Melbourne, Florida, and I kind of. I, I, a friend of mine is is a concert promoter, and he's just getting these things going, and. He, he had one of the local bands and he's kind of been wanting to bring the voice of rock radio down. He said, Why don't you just come down and check it out? So uh, I went and sat in with these guys on a few songs and it was cold last weekend in wow. Melbourne, Florida. I mean, it was like, it was like mist and rain. And, 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 you know, in the old days, I was just talking about this with the band. I said, in the old days when they would have those thousand watt par lamps and they'd have like, 200 of them it was like it was like being in one of those french fry warmers you know that keep you warm. <laughs> and you would sweat but now yeah. all the lighting is 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 led and and i was hoping and wishing that they would turn on a few hot lamps because it was wow. man it was cold um yeah it it's not like it used to be bob they're they're trying to cut down on the uh, the energy use you know sure, <laughs> but, but we're going to have a heck of a light <laughs> excuse me <clears throat> we're going to have a heck of a light show on Saturday night you, you mentioned the Oaklawn uh, racetrack and casino it's a, uh, man it's it's going to kick butt, brand new this is a brand new casino but it hasn't been open very long and, and there haven't, there really hasn't been a lot of uh, acts in there and uh, a really good friend of ours uh, just hooked it up for us. And so we're, we're really excited about it, you know, and I have family there. I'm going to have some, my, my, uh, my brother's uh, goes on vacation
5: to, to
1: way down South to the border uh, in Texas. And he won't be there, which he was really, really unhappy about, but his, his son and wife and, you know, my nieces and stuff. Now I'm going to have a little bit of family and my, my music attorney's coming. He's, he's driving from Nashville, a little getaway. So, I wish you guys could make it out, man. You'd yeah, love this band. Yeah, no I, doubt. I, yeah, you guys are out east, aren't you?
2: Yeah, Atlanta yeah. and Connecticut. So yeah, we're
1: yeah. we're on. Talk the east. about cold. You're you you were not talking bad about Chicago being cold because man, that's like isn't that like up there by the North Pole? <laughs> <laughs>
3: New England can be like that, Kevin. You know, we've had uh, temperatures in the teens a lot of this winter, so uh, just just about getting to spring, you know.
1: Yeah. So you guys never said a single word when I was talking about Brady. Didn't say anything. Why is that? Can I can I interview you guys for a minute? Why did you not say anything? Come on.
3: Well, Kevin, I'm I'm up here in New England, and and for years and years, we just got used to it. You know, he he was a staple. I I think people didn't like him because he won too much. That's that's, that's
1: basically it. 100%.
5: That's right.
1: Right?
5: 100%. 100%. Yep.
1: Well, so did you guys get upset when he decided to go?
2: I was surprised. I got to be honest with you, Kevin. I, I, I expected, you know, when it was time for him, like we knew, you know, I'm a Steelers fan. So, you know, Lee Roethlisberger gave us a, a few weeks notice that this was going to be it. And I think we all knew at the beginning of the season, yeah. really, that it was going to be it, that uh, his body had yeah. given out and it was time for him to move on. Yeah. But to your point with Brady, we, there's no sign that this had to be it. I mean, it, obviously, look, you want to go spend time with your family and then, and, and kind of shift gears because you've, you've won everything. You've done it all. You've got nothing left to prove. You know, God, bless. Right. go be with your family, go go do all those sorts of things. But we really didn't have any warning that this was going to happen. So I was sort of struck, if you will, like, wow, this is it. Oh, okay. Um, I expected well, it to go on think, for a while longer.
1: I mean, and this this went through my my mind a few times. Like, do you think that, like, maybe he just wanted to prove himself to himself, like, hey, I can go do this with another team, or, you know, like, he challenged himself to, like, I'm going to go, and 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 I have to prove myself that it wasn't just because I was in New England. I, I need to know that I can do this on my own, or not on your own, but you know what yeah. I'm saying. I mean, right.
3: Without... Right.
1: Right.
0: Yeah, because, I think that
1: so, was
5: a huge part yeah. of it
1: yeah and 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 he did it, and of course, you have to test the water. can I do it twice? can I do it three times? <laughs> That's right
5: <laughs>
1: well, and, you know don't um, oh, know man you and it's just you know uh, and and every time I get on your show i I like to sit and listen to the people going on before me because they really know about what's going on in sports and and, you know, it still baffles me why you guys would call me about sports. <laughs> because because even though I love it, I'm like, I don't know, man. I I spent so many hours of the day just, you know, working on gigs and shows and this and that. And uh, I, I don't even spend that much time on music anymore. I used to be in the studio working, producing and all that. And, you know, uh, it's just in the last couple of years, all of that has changed. It's like, Okay, now I'm just focused on how do I make a really great show? I gotta pull off a great show. We've got a really killer band. Um, you know, I mean, we, 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 we've been, we've been really building this thing. And, uh, so it's, you know, it's just, it's sort of like a sport to us. You know, we don't want to go out there and reek. We want to, you know, we want to cover the bases and stuff. So. Um, and and thank you guys because you know you 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 you, um, you always show an interest in my music and and even even sometimes when I'm <laughs> even when I'm not like you know uh, uh, busting my way through traffic like I'm in a race or something I I'm just you know I get into that daily grind of music you know and uh, and you guys have been very kind to me I appreciate that
2: absolutely Kevin. Couple more before we let you go, but um, I got to be honest with you, as as a huge Journey fan. I mean, and I, and I love the Journey experience that you put together, and obviously we're huge fans of of your voice and and the and the music mm-hmm. you've done throughout your career. But I remember a few years ago when when Journey got inducted into the Hall of Fame, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. There was there sort of that famous story of Steve Perry and Neil Sean getting together and. You know, we need to have coffee sometime and all that sort of stuff. Um, okay. But I'm I'm sort of I've been wondering ever since I started listening to all of all of your journey covers, why hasn't Neil reached out to you? Why has not there? You know what, Kevin, you and I need to have coffee because we, we've seen yeah. <laughs> we've seen Steve and Jerry yeah. have voice issues. Looks like Arnell is starting to have voice issues. It seems like you're a natural fit to go fit right back in there. Why hasn't that happened?
1: Well, if you ever figure that out, I would love to be the first one to know it. But, you know, I mean, listen, I, I've always stayed friends with them and, you know, I've always tried to support their, their music because, you know, I figure if their music's winning, I'm winning as, a, as a, as a result of it because uh, <coughs> I've been blessed to kind of be associated with that family and, you know, our, our, we, we, we all kind of shared the same manager, Herbie Herbert, and he just passed away a while back. Um, and uh, you know, I, I just you know, it, it's family, okay? It's family, but also it's business, okay? And I don't know. I think maybe I don't know. I'm mean, I'm just guessing, but I think maybe you know, uh, you know, when Greg and I form the storm, Greg and I were like, kind of like partners. And, uh, and then we sort of just, you know, we, we were offered a, a great, uh, you know, recording contract and stuff. And when it was time, like we got to put a band together here, you know? And we went to Ross and we, we went to Smith and we, you know, we, got <coughs> I knew Josh, we brought Josh in to play on some of the demos and, 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 you know, great, great guitar player. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I think, I think really Neil and John, they, you know, they're the, they're the, the big cheeses, man. They're the bosses. And, uh, uh, one thing that Herbie kind of taught me is, you know, he asked me one time, he says, uh, Hey Kevin, what, what do you think my impression and my, what's my definition of a successful
5: musician? And I'm thinking, like, I don't know. Million sales? No. Five? No. Ten? It
1: went on for a while. I'm like, no. Okay, so what is your definition of a successful musician? And it was real simple. Herbie said, it's somebody who can pay their own bills. And, um, you you know, a lot of times the musicians are sort of, you know, I don't know, I'm not making fun of garbage truck drivers because I know they got a great retirement package in the 401k and all that stuff. I got some buddies do it, and and I've told them this story. I said, you know, uh I don't know. Musicians have had a bad rap, and and rightly so. They they they've raped and pillaged, you know, forever. You know, but I, I guess maybe you know by the grace of God, I've 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 you know because I have a good woman and I've got good kids and I've got a good life, you know, I it hasn't always been like top 10, this and that. It's like, you work really hard. Just try to build a great reputation and try to make great music and, you know, all that stuff. And it all adds up, right? <clears throat> well, maybe, maybe they, maybe they just looked at me like, you know, I, uh, I, I might've wanted to challenge them as a boss sort of, to to make things right. And I don't know. I don't know. I I've never really had that conversation. I I know that we uh you know, we we did perform together um and we did have a lot of meetings and we we were writing songs before Steve, you know, came back to the band and uh yeah, that that was a that was kind of a bummer, but at the same time I'm a fan of the band and I enjoyed their stuff. You know, it's like I never really set out to be the singer of Journey. I set out to, uh, you know, to just make great records. And it just so happened that things fell in place in a way that like, hey, he's a he's man that if anybody could be a ringer. And, and that's kind of what they do. And I still sing Journey songs. I mean, I, I think it's great. I love Journey if I performed with the Beatles, I'd probably be performing Beatles
5: songs, you know, <laughs>
1: but that's what a lot, I mean, seriously, come on, I mean, look at Alan Parsons, I worked with Alan, Alan goes out and has a Beatles tribute band, because he worked with the Beatles, so it just sort of fits, you know, uh, you know, I, 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 through the years, I've had conversations with the guys, you know, I go to the shows and stuff, and I had phone calls and, you know, they're, they're cordial and, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe they've had inklings or whatever, but, you know, uh, I think really from a business standpoint, if, if I were them, I'd be looking at a younger guy. And that's kind of why they went with Arnell. And yeah, it's very, very demanding work to sing that stuff five nights a week, maybe sometimes six nights a week. Hey, brother, you know, it's like, it's like powerlifting on a daily basis. So, um, they might look at it like, can, can, could Kevin be bulletproof enough? Well, I don't know. You know, who knows until you're thrown in it. But all I know is, is the last, the last three singers, they were bulletproof going in, but you know, it's, it, it does take its toll on you, you know.
0: So do I want to? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But have they asked me? No, not really. Um As time
1: went on through time, I've kind of been teased a little bit about it. But no, I never really, really got the, the, the dead on. Hey, we want you to come out and do this. And, you know, they're stacking the deck to make whoever's in there a little better. I mean, I don't know if you've been to the show lately, but they've added extra musicians to our great singers. So who knows? Maybe maybe one of those guys are gonna you know learn the system and step forward. I don't know, but I know that they, they have they have really great singers. You know I can't say anything negative about them. They've been they've been my sure. brothers. They've been really good guys to me. Uh, uh, you know I, I I big mix up that went down with with Ross and and Smitty and you know and they're now kind of gone out of the band. That 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 was a little. That was a little hard to take and I thought, wow, you know, Ross would have been one of the reasons for me if I was ever asked, I would look at it as, as a real positive because he was, a, he's motivational and he's a positive, funny guy. You gotta have that. You gotta have them kind of people. It can't just be all serious business or, you know, or you're really, you're just, it's like punching in, going to work. It's, it's not fun. How can you be entertaining if you're not entertaining, you know, if you're not entertained?
0: Right. So, so, uh,
1: you know, but the questions are always asked, but hey, you know what? It's, it, it's not my, I'm not the guy that can answer those questions. The only they can, you know, yeah. and they're still doing okay. <laughs> so <laughs>
5: yeah.
1: I
2: think they're yeah. doing
1: all right, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's right. Kevin let our listeners know how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing follow you whether it's uh well, it's online or it's on social media
1: Well I you know I I I probably get 10 Facebook pages because I get fan pages and stuff like that but The Voices of Rock Radio uh that's really the band that I'm kind of really putting a lot of my eggs in right now because with with John we do a lot of corporate work but we're starting to spring off into you know, casinos and ticketed events and stuff, not everywhere, but, uh, that's kind of how, how we're, we're planning to have fun in the future is just to, it's kind of like, it's an a-hole free zone. That's how we put it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? We, we signed up to life. There's a lot less life in front of us than there is behind us. So why spend it with people that are going to make you miserable, you know? So we, yes. we only bring the people that we really love to have a good time with because then it reflects in the music and everything you're doing. And, you know, so it's working. And uh, and I think you guys would enjoy that band. And if we can get up your way, I guarantee you, you guys will be our guests.
2: Oh, we appreciate that very much. We look forward to that
5: happening. <laughs> yeah.
2: Kevin, thank you so much, my friend. It's always fun to spend time with you. We can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night to come back and be a part of the show.
1: Hey, God bless you guys, and and sport on, my friends.
3: Sport on. (laughs) You rock on.
2: That's right. You rock on, Kevin. You're the best, my friend. Take care. Take care, Kevin. Thank you, sir. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. See you, Kevin. That's a great Kevin Chalfant. I I love that guy, Bob. I mean, you know, I know he's not a he's not a sports guy a lot, but he's a heck of a musician, got a great voice, and just a, a good man, and I. I so yeah, I would I'm like having him roll. on the show.
3: Yeah, it's just rock and roll. I mean, all with him, and it's, uh, I, I could talk to him all day about that. But uh, we got a show to do
5: here. <laughs> <laughs> we
2: do. Speaking of which, we've got our good friend Tony Collins hanging on the line. We're going to get to Tony on the other side of this real quick. Station break. <laughs>
6: You're listening to Thursday Night Tailgate with Chris Mascaro and Bob Lazeri, where NFL legends live on. Back to you, boys.
2: He's alive. All right. Now back with us here on Thursday Night Tailgate, and to lead us through one more time on our five-star picks of the week is former Patriots Pro Bowl running back Tony Collins. Hey, Tony. How are you, my friend?
3: Hey, Tony.
0: Doing fantastic.
3: How you doing, Chris and Bob?
5: Uh, good. Oh, we good, good, thank
2: you, Tony. So, Tom, before we get to our Super Bowl picks, we're, we're going to wait uh, a little bit on that. I, I want to kind of refresh everybody's memory about your Super Bowl experiences. T- take <laughs> us through, what was it like for you guys? You know, here we are. We're just a couple of days away from the game. So three days prior, what were you guys doing? Were you guys practicing? Were you out there in pads? Were you watching film? How did you guys prep for the last three days?
4: So, so our Super Bowl in New Orleans. So, it's, it's, uh, my, my first time going to New Orleans. So, you know, I'm pretty excited. You, you hear about it and everything. But, uh, uh, three days before the Super Bowl, yeah, we, we would have meetings in the morning. We'd go out and practice, uh, just, just, uh, the, the shoulder pads and, and, and helmets, uh, on that, on that third, uh, the third day. Um, so we go out and practice. Come back in, uh, uh, maybe have a meeting at night. Y'all have, you know, go when you when you when you get back in, uh, probably around three three, 3 thirty four o'clock. So you're on your own. Uh, do what you want. And, you know, you go out to dinner 'cause because you you know you we're, we're we're you know we got our wives with us and everything. We're standing. We're we're, we're also standing in the same hotel as the as the Chicago Bears, so we're all staying in the same hotel, and wow. so uh, yeah, huge hotel. I can't remember the name of it, but um, so so you know, so we have curfew. So you know, you go out, you go out to dinner. You know, you go out on the strip, or you know, go go see some sites or whatever. And so we have that. So our curfew was uh, 11 o'clock every night, and so. Um, so we know we have to come back in at 11. As we are coming in uh for our curfew, the Chicago Bears are going out. <laughs> so, and that and that's the that's the and that's the whole week. That's that that's that whole week we're, we were there cuz we we're, we're all staying in the same hotel. But uh you know it it was a lot of media more media uh than, you know, uh before before any other game, of course. Uh, uh, not as much as it is now because of, of, you know, the, you know, because cell phones and so much, so much stuff that they have now that they didn't have in 86. But, uh, you know, it it was, it was a game that, you know, you, you, I I remember a a few nights just sitting in my hotel room and and thinking, you know, man, this is the, the game that you've been dreaming for all your life. Played in your backyard a thousand times, and and, you know it it gets really exciting, man. But I tell you, the when kickoff time came, and you know you're in the game, it it was just like another game then. But uh, just the hype before it—I mean, it's so much hype now. I I just can't imagine uh, uh, what these guys are going through, and uh, all different uh, how big social media is right now. It's—it's got to be crazy because um, i I felt it was crazy for us, because you know you you walk back to the hotel room and you got reporters trying to talk to you uh well, what what do you think gonna happen blah and you know you just you just you know, you just not used to it, but all in all man one of the uh, the greatest experience I've ever experienced in my life, even though we lost the game um it it was it was great getting there and great to say that you know we were the uh first patriot team uh, to go to the Super Bowl.
2: Tony, you talked last week about how Raymond Barry kept you guys pretty secluded from the media and everybody else prior to the AFC Championship game and got you guys off in a small town well north of Miami. How did he keep you guys focused and, and more importantly, out of trouble around the Super Bowl being in New Orleans where there's trouble on every street corner?
4: That was <laughs> one of the things. You know, you don't, you don't want to miss curfew because that's a, that's a big fine. You know, you know, you're not you're not trying to lose any money, but uh, I you know we 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 as a as a group man, we were pretty focused coming into the game. You know, we we never went into a game we we, we didn't think we were gonna win. Um, but uh, just the you know the hype. I think one of the things that that helped us a lot too. You know, you have your wives there, and, and you know you and a lot of you know a lot of guys are are you know with, with you know, Robert Weathers and his wife and my wife were, were really close. And so, you know, we, we, we just spend time together as, as, as a family, uh, really. Um, but, uh, you know, the single guys, uh, you know, I, you know, they're out there on their own. I know they were having a great time, but at the same time, man, it, it was, um, we, 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 we met every night before, uh, curfew. Um, and, and that was one of the things that I thought was pretty special too. Just to, just to meet and, uh, you know, the wives, uh, the couple nights that the wives were, were, were able to come as well. But, uh, uh, Raymond did a great job, man. We, we were, I, 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 I don't know if I told you guys this. I I did a golf tournament and, uh, this was years, years after the, uh, Super Bowl. And, um, cause, you know, we, we really thought we were going to win the game. We We really thought we could. Raymond, Raymond Berry was at my golf tournament. I think Raymond Berry, Stanley Morgan, Irvin Fryer, uh, and Andre trip were all sitting, uh, in, in a little restaurant. And he said that, uh, the Chicago Bears defense was ahead of its time. Um, and, uh, and the, the only team that beat them that year were, were the Miami Dolphins and because of the gunslinger they had with, with Dan Marino. But, uh, he said that, the the, the Chicago Bears defense was ahead of its time and, and we really didn't have a chance because of the personnel that they had to play that defense. Uh it, it was incredible. That that defense was something special and uh it, it really kinda smothered. But I'm going tell you this, uh, and this is a personal thing. I think we should have started Steve Rogan instead of Tony Ethan uh, that day. And uh but, you know, we didn't and because actually Tony had got hurt and Steve actually took us uh, actually took us to the Super Bowl. Tony got healthy and Tony started the game. But, uh, my opinion, um, but who knows because of their defense, it, it was pretty special. Uh, who knows what the outcome could be.
5: All right, fellas, let's get on with
2: our Super Bowl pick. And just to recap, season standings. Tony, you're 30 and 20, a one game lead over Bob, who is 29 and 21. I'm out of it at 25 and 25. So we all know what's at stake here, right? And what's at stake here is Chris doesn't have to send Tony another trophy, Bob. That's what's at stake. So whatever has to happen has to happen. So I don't have to remember Tony's mailing address. That's what's at stake tonight. All right. So whatever Tony does, Bob, you got to be George Costanza, and you got to do the opposite for me. You got it. You got to go the other way. So here we go. Tony, the Rams are a a four-and-a-half-point home favorite. The young players are playing the game of their lives like you were back when you were a young player. They're playing the game of their lives, and they're doing it in their home stadium. This is the second year in a row where a team is playing the Super Bowl in their home stadium, as Buck did it last year. Tony, can the Bengals overcome all of that and
4: get a win, or are you going Rams? How, How wild is that? uh you know two years in a row and, and the, uh, you got two teams playing in their home stadium uh how do you that probably never happen again but you know the rams defense is is really special um and they're going to get to joe you know, i mean I'm, I'm gonna tell you now i like joe i think joe's cool but i just said that rams defense man it's it, you know um is pretty special Um uh, they they're, they're going to get joe a, a lot i think um, um, I, I, I love, I love the Rams offense as well. Um, I think Odell Odell Beckham being there helped, helped, uh, a whole lot. Um, uh, because, you know, now Cup, you know, they can't double team Cup and, and he's just killing it uh, on the other side. So, um, you know, saying all that, I, I think it's going to be a great game anyway. I think, I think it's going to be a lot of scoring because both teams have uh, weapons on the outside to, to score points, um, and I think it's going to be a high, high scoring game. I think the last the last team that that has the ball is going to win, and that last team I believe that's going to have the ball is Cincinnati. They're going to beat the Rams thirty-seven to thirty-four. Cincinnati wins.
5: Wow, you you
2: had me going all all Rams, and then you you, you do a right a right angle on me, and you go Cincinnati.
3: Wow, okay.
5: Go Bob, tell me you're hay. picking
2: the Ram.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, you know what, guys? I am on record on a different radio station. I made my pick earlier in the week. But in the interest of competition and uh, of my <laughs> friend Chris Mascaro's mailing abilities,
5: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I got I to go to my Ram scenario. I got A and B here. So I'm going to go with my Ram. I, I do think a flip of cor- one of those flip coins games, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say the Rams can win this game. Number one, it was the team that was built to win. Now, Uh I, as we talked in the, earlier in the show, Tony, I think uh I think McVay needs to get the monkey off his back with this, as far as to to get to really cement himself as a great coach. They brought Stafford in here to win now. Uh, you know, Cup is the best player on the field. Uh, I'm scared of Cincinnati, but I have to go to Rams this time. So I'm going to say 34-30 Rams.
2: Okay. So now total points is going to decide if, uh, Bob <laughs> gets, it, it goes Rams. Now you're tied. So it's going to go total points. So Bob's got 64 and Tony, you got what? 71. So whoever's closer uh-huh. on points, if it's Rams, will decide who the champion is. All right. We're all on the same got page. All right, I'm yeah. saying and just, hey. All right, and just so you know, just to complete the picks, I, I like the Rams. Uh, there's no way, as a Steelers fan, I would ever pick the Bengals, right? So then, nothing would delight me more to see the Bengals lose a third Super Bowl. So uh, I, I'm going with the Rams as well. I like. I think it's going to be not quite as close as what you guys have. I think the Rams win this big. I think they're going to win it thirty-one to twenty. Tony. Remind our listeners how you're trying to impact positively impact kids in school.
4: Right now, we're, we're, we're pushing the book because of you know because of COVID. can't get into the schools. We're uh, pushing the book and it's going pretty well down here in North Carolina, uh, man. We're we're pretty excited. Um, so uh, you can you can follow me on Instagram and also on Facebook.
2: Tony, you're the best. We'll see if uh, I'm mailing you a trophy or I get to dodge the
5: bullet (laughs) next week. (laughs) You take it easy, Tony. Mail my trophy
4: to me, man. Be safe, Tony. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up next week. All right. God bless, guys. bye -bye.
2: Tony. That's a great Tony Collins. We've got Coach Tony Reno hanging on the line. We're going to get to Coach right on the other side of this real quick station break.
6: Thursday Night Tailgate, where the spotlight is always on the positive. Tune in Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time to hear your favorite NFL legends, players, and coaches sharing their stories. Now back to Chris and Bob. I wouldn't joke about anything else that
2: happened to you tonight. Okay, now back with us here on Thursday Night Tailgate is Yalehead football coach Tony Reno. Let me give you some background on Tony. He's from Oxford, Massachusetts. Played his college ball at Worcester State College, where he was a three-year starter at free safety. Helped them to two league championships. He graduated with a master's in health science. Started his coaching career as a defensive assistant at King's College in Pennsylvania. He went back and served as Worcester State's defensive coordinator from 1998 to 2002. And won the 2002 Aflac Coaches Magazine National Assistant of the Year Award. He moved over and did his first stint with Yale as their wide receivers coach in 2003, and then their defensive secondary coach from 2004 to 2008. From there, he went to Harvard to serve as the special teams coordinator and secondary coach from 2009 to 2011. He helped coach them to the undefeated Ivy League championship in 2011. Yale hired him back to be their 34th head coach in 2012, and he led them to an Ivy League title in 2017 their first outright league title in 37 years. They tied for first again in 2019, and yesterday was his birthday. Good evening, Coach. Chris and Bob here. Happy birthday, and thanks for coming back on the show. Hey,
7: fellas. Uh, appreciate you having me on. Thanks for the birthday wish.
2: So, Coach, I want to start off by getting your thoughts on last season. You guys were streaky with your wins and losses. Dartmouth, Princeton, Harvard—all had strong seasons. How do you catch up with them in 22?
7: So you know, coming into the year, I think the thing that we've been able to do, um, and the credit goes to the players here, is that we've been able to to bring Yale you know, football back to the expectations are you're playing and winning championships every year. You know, we're fortunate enough, as you mentioned, and on, on, on the opening I do that in 2017, 2019. And, I mean, that's our. That's our expectation this year. Um, and you know, it's a lofty one, but that's what we feel like football should be. And last year was, you know, was not, was not up to that level. You know, we were an average season, um for us, but there was a lot of growth in it and, I'm uh, very excited about where we're headed from here. Um I do think we return, as, as a lot of, you know, teams do, we return a really strong nucleus and we've got some strong, uh, We've had some strong performances so far in this off season by a lot of guys who played a good amount of football for us, and we've got some great leadership in the senior class. And we're just really excited for this team. Um, the team's getting closer by the day, and really focused on winning moments. And um you know, I think we've got a really good, a really good start to the 2022 season. And we're just excited to see the guys go and, and see them improve each day.
2: And Tony, how do you go about finding the kids that are not only great athletes, but the kids that also academically fit the profile for the school?
7: You know, Bob, Chris, we we're uh yeah, we kind of have our 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 way of doing things. Um, one of the things that is really important to us is finding guys who really love the game of football. Here um, you know, we might give an inch, or we might give a step, or we might give you know a little bit one area that. You know may not equate to four stars or five stars or three stars, but um what we've had success with and we've won championships with is we find guys who love it you know who who it's their passion um who you know couldn't imagine playing, going to college and, and, and getting education without playing division one football and um, that's what we look for it's really it's really a hard thing to find in a sense where you know yeah you gotta kind of have to turn away some guys that you might have a question about of you know how serious are they about this great game, but um uh, we've you know we, we've we've had a recipe here, and that's what we're looking for and anyway, as you added you they, know they've got to have the academic credentials as well um so I think our staff does a really nice job of of really turning over rocks and finding that needle in the haystack to make sure we find not only the right guy that can that can play ball at our level but the right one that can fit our culture and what we're looking for.
2: And Tony, so talk about the rigors your players go through. First and foremost, to stay up to date with their studies, but then also practice and be in the weight room and and do the things they need to do to be successful
7: football players.
2: How do they go about balancing those two things out?
7: You know, it's, it's pretty interesting. Uh, um, I, I say it because I think a lot of a lot of folks don't quite you know quite think about it. So we spend the same amount of hours in football that the University of Alabama, the University of Georgia, you know, and so on. Does um, our kids are Division One football players, but the difference is um, that they've got to they've got to handle the rigors of uh, of an Ivy League school, and arguably, you know, the greatest school in the, in the world. Um, and you know, we've got we've got just a, just the same percentage of guys that are in engineering that are in pre med or pre law that are, in that are in economics, architects. Um, it's not just like, our guys are finding are uh, the, uh, the easiest, quote-unquote easiest, uh, major at, at school like Yale. They're, they're doing everything. Um, so, you know, one of the unique things about Yale, when we're a group player, you can actually come here, play Division One football, and be an engineer. Um, you can go to med school. You can be an economics major. And there's very few schools in the country that can do that. So, um... You know I give a lot of credit to our players and and our university for setting up a structure and a model where the students can do both things and and do it at a high level. Bob, questions
2: for Tony
3: yeah Tony, thanks again for coming on we We enjoy you coming on each and every year, and regardless of the so so season you had it was a pleasure watching you guys play every week, but I wanted to get your opinion on the. The Yale football has been in the headlines uh, this past week for a couple reasons. First of all, Mike McDaniel, class of '05, becomes the head coach of the Dolphins. You had some nice things to say right after he got hired. He was he was playing here before you got here, Tony. But I want to I want you to talk about your relationship with Mike and uh, what can we expect of him from him as a head coach.
7: Sure, I'm really proud of Michael. Uh, as you mentioned, I, I came to Yale in 2003. And I came as a receivers coach and Michael was a junior that season, um, as, as a wide receiver. And, um, I mean, an incredible hard worker. I mean, I remember the first time I met him, um, just was really, really impressed with um, his presence and, and how really, uh, excited about football he was and how he loved watching film, talking scheme and talking, uh, just the intricacies of, of playing wide receiver, breaking down defensive backs, breaking down coverage, and, and, and doing all those things that you know really you don't really find that many juniors in in college are looking at. You know, they're trying to look at the the small picture. of Michael is looking at the macro and the and the big picture of, of everything. Um, so yeah, I was really impressed with that. And then working with him day in and day out, just a relentless, relentless hard worker in um, every. He was one of those guys was the first one at practice and the last one in the league. And, um, you know, I can just, I can, I can remember Michael just being there, you know, doing ball drills at the end of practice with, with anyone that would want to do it with him. Um, Ken, more often than not, it was a guy named Chandler Henley, who, who was our captain in 2006 and, um, uh, you close friends and, 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 you know, just being able to, to watch him grow as a player and, and being able to, uh, you know, to have him in my room um, on a day-to-day basis, is great. We've we've stayed in close contact, and, you know, just uh, uh, moving back and forth this week a few times. He spoke to our team last year and did an amazing job; just incredibly prepared. Um, so he just, you know, he's just one of those guys. Who, you know, he has that he has that ability to um, be relatable to anyone in the room, and also just incredibly bright in, in the realm of football.
3: And also in the news, Tony, uh, you hired, uh, Dennis dotton Carter this week, uh, last uh, assistant head coach, co-defensive coordinator. I know he spent time at UConn. Incredibly intelligent man. Uh, tell our uh, listeners more about this. I know you're very excited to bring him
5: to Yale.
7: Yeah, sure, sure am. You know, we, uh, you know, I was very proud. Our second, our second head coach, um, uh, left the staff this year. Joe Conlon went to Fordham mm-hmm. after the 2017 season and Jordan Stevens who was our assistant head coach, D line coach, he um became the head coach at the University of Maine. Um and when Jordan left, obviously he went he a job here. We were looking for you know looking for someone that you know that had his type of ability on and off the field and as a developer of young men. Um, you know, I had known Dennis for a while and um timing worked out well and he's then in ours we just really, really, uh really for no better word to say thrilled to have him join our staff. You know, as you mentioned He's a, he's an amazing person. Um, you know, uh, an excellent football coach, recruiter. I just, I, I feel strongly that he's going to be a great developer of young man. And, and, and that's something we're looking for. You know, when I was hired by Yale yeah, in 2012, I sat down with Coach Koza. Um, I had said to you a few times before on the show that I was just so fortunate to have him as a, a mentor, um, yeah. when I, you know, when I was hired. And, and Coach Coza said to me, he said, he said, you know, um, One of the things you want to look for when you hire coaches is hire guys who are great people, great men, and who are smarter than you at what they do. Um and I've tried to, you know, stay with that model. Um every you know, with every hire we've had and you know, and I think Dennis fits that, you know, that description perfectly.
2: Coach, talk about um how you spent time teaching your student or your uh your players how to handle themselves off the field. We've got social media and that that can be a dangerous place, a negative place at times. You've got people, I'm sure they're trying to interview the kids. You've got them, you know, going out and just being college kids, going, you know, to a bar, or going out to, to dinner and all those sorts of things. How do you teach the kids how to keep themselves out of trouble?
7: So, I mean, it, it, as you said, I mean, it's a, it's a very different time. So, you know? um, yeah, I, you know, you, for all of us who were in college, you know, a while ago, I guess that's the best way of saying it, where, you know, things were, things weren't, weren't quite, uh, weren't quite as all oh, in the open. And, you know, these, these college students, whether they're student athletes or not, things are, things are very public. Um, so one of the first things we say to the guys is, you know, our, the most important thing, um, for us is that we always represent our great university. You know our football program, and I always say to them the, the name on your back um that uh, with with the utmost honor integrity um but you know one of the other things for us uniquely for Yale is you know there's there's great opportunity for our players um they're you know the most recognizable guys on campus, and um you know it's there's there there's fifty or sixty thousand people that come to watch us play. You know, every other year and there's, you know, we're, we're very fortunate to have the, the support, um, at our level of football um, from our university, from our student, student athletes, um, and also our students in general, um, our greater community. So, you know, there's an obligation and a responsibility that we all have as players and as coaches to make sure that we, 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 uh, uphold, um, Yale and up Yale, hold Yale football on our end. In our family name each and every day. Yeah, you know, it, it's something that we continually talk about. Um, I think our guys really understand it. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that, um, you know, they're perfect by any stretch of the imaginations, but, um, I do think that they understand how important it is to, to be able to have a, a unique opportunity to, to go to Yale. Um, I think one of the th- different things about our players is that, um, they understand that it's an incredible privilege for them to go to Yale. Um, it isn't a right. Um, it's a privilege. Um, and with that, they handle themselves accordingly. Um, you know, when, when we have an indiscretion or someone, someone has a learn, a moment of learning, uh, um, we address it, you know, we address it and we learn from it and, and we move on. Um, from the social media end of it, you know, I was talking to Steve Kahn. Steve has been at Yale for a long time. You know, he's done an incredible job. He's been a great friend. He said to me when I first started, he said, you know, if, if the guys think of whatever they put in an email or on a tweet or on a uh or on a on a post that would their grandmother be okay with them reading it? And if they think of it that way, would Hey would Graham be okay if, if she read I wrote this? Sure that he said they may think twice. And I've really kind of used that all the way through. It's relatable to the guys.
2: Bob, a couple more for Tony before we let him go.
7: Yeah,
3: Tony, I wanted to let you uh, brag about one of your uh, players and uh, a guy like Zane Dudek. You know, he just finished his career at Yale, and and over the last four or five years, Tony, every time I've gone down there and the team was ready to take uh, to go into the bowl, you know, you could see number thirty three, and he'd he'd actually put out his hand and uh, say, "How you doing, Bob?" And and you know, he was just such a pleasant, welcoming man. And uh I always look forward to just, you know, seeing him right before the games. But, uh, you know, and he always would end by saying, you have a great week, sir. And, you know, it just comes from the top, I think. But he's like that. And he's a guy, you know, in, 19, in 2017, I think he was the first true freshman to lead the league in rushing. And then, of course, in 18, he gets hurt. He's limited to just six games. 19, he comes back, plays really well. 20 is COVID. And then this year he gets hurt. Um, but you know, I think in Yale Annals, Tony, he probably goes down as one of the better ones out there. I just wish I could have seen him play full schedules. But more than that, talk about the kid you saw. Is it that guy that I saw every time I met him in front of the bowl?
7: Well, yeah. He, what, the, how you describe Zink is exactly how he's been every moment since I have met him when he was a high school senior at Armstrong High School in Catanning, Pennsylvania. Um, incredibly respectful. Um uh, you know, uh, a, just a, a real, real great guy. Um, and also, you know, a very driven football player, um, uh, a, a very, very bright student in the classroom, but just a, a incredibly respectful, incredibly, uh, incredibly, uh, gracious, um, uh, person. And, and like you said, you know, Bob McGee, I mean, gosh, I mean, I mean, he lit the world on fire in 2017 when he was healthy. I mean, he was running, you know, it was, it was just, when he was putting together his highlight film for the scouts, uh, I sat with him and, and you know just watching him when he was healthy was just, I mean, it was, I mean, it was just, it was beautiful to watch him run. Um, and then what happened was, you know, he had the he had the turf toe injury and you know and, and he recovered enough. in he had you know another really good season. Helped us win an Ivy League championship. And then, like you mentioned, the COVID situation happened. And then you know this year he was, we we were uh, young up front and out with us, um, and then he was running a wheel route at UConn, and, you know, no one on him, and just you know, broke his leg running a running wheel route on air, um, and it was just, you know, it was tragic, um, but, you know, as much of it had pained him to, you know, really have another injury field season, I mean, he was an even better leader in um, and, and developing our young backs and, and helping our guys and helping the old line develop and just being an incredible leader on the I mean, it just speaks volumes about him as a person. But you now like you said, he he graduates as the 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 leader in yards per carry. Um, yeah. So I mean, he'll he'll go down as the leader in yards per carry. And when you're talking about guys like you know guys like Dick on
4: and,
7: and um, you know Tyler Varga, um, Mike McLeod, um, you know and just just some you know an amazing uh, amazing guys. You know, that, that did it while they were at Yale, Rich Diana. I mean, there's, there's, uh, you know, to be mentioned in that same conversation as one of the best that played at Yale, it's mean, a pretty lofty, it's a pretty lofty group of guys.
3: Last question, Tony. I mean, Nolan Grooms, he took over your quarterback duties a few games into the season as a sophomore. He had some rough games toward the end of the year, but this is a freakishly good athlete, tremendous baseball player before he arrived at Yale. A guy who can throw and run. Uh, tell us about his plans going forward.
7: Yeah, we're really excited about Nolan. One of the things, um, that really drew us to Nolan in the recruiting process was, was his dual threat ability. And, you know, what we had with Kurt Rawlings was a guy who could, the guy who could run and throw and who could, you know, uh, could get himself out of trouble and extend plays. And, you know, Nolan has that same ability. Um, as you mentioned, you know, the end of the year wasn't quite as good as some of the games in the middle where he was actually conference player of the week in two of the, the two of the five starts he had, um, and arguably could have been it in one of the other ones, but he learned a lot near the end of the year. And, um, you know, I, uh, a lot of those moments, I think they're, they're going to be, as we look back on it, um, you know, in two years from now after he finishes, um I think they're gonna be really important moments for his growth and development and, you know he's a son of a coach, um and a high school coach and so I I feel strongly that he's gonna continue to grow and develop and we're really excited about about him and really excited about his future with us and um I I think we're gonna see a really good you know, a, a really good growth period for him this spring and that obviously uh you know, a guy who's the under center as a junior who's got Five starts under his belt, which is going to be a great thing for Yale football.
2: Coach, before we let you go, let our listeners know how can we stay up to date with all the great things that you're doing and follow the team, whether it's uh, online or over social media?
7: Sure. Um, you know, I think the two best ways for us are, you know, some folks like to, um, look at the website, um, com. Um, it's just re- recently been, recently been, uh, not only updated, but, um, completely restructured. Twenty. 2020, um, and Mike at leads that charge. And then for us, really the, the best way for, for, for folks, uh, to keep up with us is our, our Yale football Twitter account. Um, and that's definitely the, we have Yale football Twitter and Yale football Instagram and both of those are, um, you know, day in and day out, we're posting on those to, to keep not only our, our recruits and our alumni and our fans, um, all three entities, uh, really up to date with what's going on with the team.
2: Well, Coach, we can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to come back and be a part of the show. We wish you a, a heck of a lot of luck. We're obviously following you. Bob is there all the time. Uh We hope everything goes well over the spring and the summer, and we look forward to catching up with you again next season.
7: Great, Tony. Absolutely, guys. Thanks, Bob and Chris. Have a great night. You, you too. too. Thanks, careful. Coach. Fine. That is
2: Yale head football coach Tony Reno. What a great guy, Bob.
7: Yeah, so
5: he's,
3: again, one of the classier guys, uh, you'll find out because I know him well, but uh, you can see what kind of program he um, he, he leads, Chris, and that, that program is a very good hand, trust me. Absolutely.
2: All right, we've got our next guest, Rocky Blyer, hanging on the line. We're going to get to rock right on the other side of this real quick station break.
6: Hear your favorite NFL legend, sharing their stories and insights every week, right here on Thursday Night Tailgate with Chris Mascaro and Bob Lazeri. Take it away, guys. When the door is locked, no way out. All right, now back
2: in making his twelfth appearance with us here on Thursday Night Tailgate, a Steelers legend, one of our all-time favorite guests and a member of our twenty fourteen Thursday Night Tailgate guest Hall of Fame class, Rocky Blyer. Let me remind you about Rock's background. He's from Appleton, Wisconsin. At Xavier High School, he starred in football and basketball. He was a three-time All-State selection at running back and won all conference honors at linebacker and defensive back. Played his college ball at Notre Dame, where he helped them win the 1966 National Championship, and he was named team captain in 67. He was a 16th-round draft choice by the Pittsburgh Steelers in 1968. During his rookie year, he was drafted into the Army to go fight over in Vietnam. He was awarded the Bronze Star and Purple Heart for being injured in the line of duty. Rejoined the Steelers in 71, and he spent the next two years working on trying to walk again and get his roster spot back. He was waived twice during that time. Came back and ultimately was a part of all four Steelers Super Bowl championship teams in the 70s. Retired after the 1980 season, and over the course of his career, he rushed for nearly 3,900 yards and added another 1,300 yards receiving. Scored 25 touchdowns and averaged 4.2 yards per carry. Rocky's been a great friend for a long time. He was the second guest ever on the show way back in September of 2011. And we're honored he is back with us again tonight here on Thursday Night Tailgate. Hey, Rock, Chris, and Bob, thank you hey, for Rock. coming back on the show.
0: Gentlemen, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure always to do your show. So uh, what a great interview. I enjoyed the part I caught with uh, um, uh, Coach uh, Reno and uh, the, uh, what a wonderful job he's done at Yale,
2: Rock. I want to start our time with you tonight. I- I'm curious to get your thoughts. I mean, here you know, at Super Bowl time is a uh, obviously a time where we all, all of Steelers Nation remembers the, the four Super Bowls you were in. It's a time that we get to reminisce and see the highlights of those games. Is this a is this a good time for you or or you sometimes guys like us ask you the, the same question boy if I have to answer that question one more time I'm gonna go no <laughs>
0: no not at all I uh you know I I appreciate I, I the time you know and being able to talk about Super Bowls uh and uh, reflect back on those years in the seventies but you know also reflect on those years since then all the way through and how important the Super Bowl is. To those teams that are participating, um, in that game. And, you know, sometimes to us fans, we become hardened because we are, uh, we're, 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 a strong regional or, or you got your favorite team. You're disappointed because they're not there, you know, and the Super Bowl is just another game, um, and so on. But when you look at, when you look at what the two teams who are participating have to do to be able to get there and, uh, and the schedule that they have to go through and then, and, and then, and then start playing the playoffs and going through that process. You know, what happens is that we get two teams, uh, that have deserved to be there, uh, whether you like them or not, or care about them or, or not. But they have survived the season. They put together a game plan offensively and defensively. They executed it, uh, big plays. Stupid plays, lucky plays, whatever it may be, but they are there. And so when you come to this point, it's fun to talk about the history of uh, of, uh, of the game and the Super Bowls, how it's changed over the years, um, and, uh, and uh, what it means uh, to be not only involved in it, but what it means to a city, a region, a fan base. Uh, no matter what that, uh, whatever team you may root for. So I'm always excited about this week anyway of, of uh, getting ready for the Super Bowl.
2: Brock, as much as people want to say that the last two Super Bowls are the first times that a, a team has had home field advantage in that game, when you guys played the Rams in Super Bowl 14, when you played the game in the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, which was about 30 minutes from the LA Coliseum where the Rams played their home games, was it like a home game for them or did Steeler Nation show out and really make you guys feel like, uh, it was on a neutral site?
0: Well, You know, I, I, yeah, of course it was a home game for them. And, um, you know, it was easy to uh, have access, uh, to, <laughs> there's a couple of things. It was easy to have access, uh, because the fans that were out there, the majority of fans, even though, you know, we had a, a quote, our Steeler Nation and so on. Uh, that it showed up, but, uh, when it's a, when it is your home area or hometown, those fans are, it's easier for them to go to the game, uh, and, uh, uh, and so they will show up for the game. So yeah, so in that case, you know, I, I, I'm not saying that home field advantage, uh, it makes a difference, uh, because you still got to go out and play the game and execute the game, you know, but you get a, maybe you get a, a bigger, uh, home, uh, based feeling uh, from your fan that will come to the game, uh, unlike if it's away.
2: Brock, in that game, the Rams had three former Steeler assistant coaches on their staff, including defensive coordinator Bud Carson. Were you guys concerned <laughs> at all because Bud knew your offense so well?
5: Oh, I, it,
0: oh it's kind of, kind of interesting. It, I, I mean, really, I, no, there wasn't a concern, or at least not that we as players, had you know so yeah so you're right we had three former players i mean coaches that were there um as you were saying bud carson was our our defensive uh uh coordinator uh when he was uh with the steelers now he's out there um uh our offensive line coach uh was out there and um I, I, i forget the receivers coach i think was was out there as well anyway so but what you know ultimately, ultimately in in the game, and let's just know this is that you know enough about that opponent. You see enough of a uh, film there. You you know their tendency. Uh, you know what they do, and especially with the information that we have today, you know everybody has statistics on down the distance and what a team's going to do. So it all boils down uh, execution. And maybe something you might pick up in, uh, in in a defensive scheme or how a player plays a specific uh, down or distance or or formation that might give you a uh, an, an added advantage. Yeah. You know,
5: a couple of
2: weeks prior in the AFC championship game against Houston, you guys dominate them. You win 34 to 5. But it snowed a lot that week. And from the highlights I've seen, the, the AstroTurf at Three River Stadium was saturated with water. You guys are skidding all over the place with the water pooling up on the AstroTurf. The, the temperature was in the upper 20s. That just had to be miserable. What was it like oh, trying sorry. to get through that game?
0: It was miserable. I mean, it was terrible. Oh, my goodness gracious. And as you were saying, the weather was about, it was about 30, 30 degrees out. So it's right below, oh, you know, and it was wet. And, and, and so by the time I can remember this, you know, so you, you, you hit the turf and, and you're, and and you're wet and you're just soaking wet and it just seeps into your body. And, you know, and you you go to the sidelines and you can't dry off. You can't, you know, you, You can't get comfortable, uh, and, oh, um, and, and you go in at halftime and, and you, you change your clothes. I mean, change everything. Uh, and then you go out in the, the, the field again and you hit the turf <laughs> and you're back freezing. So, I have to tell you a story about that specifically, and only because of the fact that I was one of those people that were, that were cold. I mean, oh my goodness gracious. And in the third quarter of that game, in the third quarter, I was off on the side. As I remember, we didn't have heaters like they had today. As a matter of fact, I think we had a, um, 55 gallon, uh, 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 drum burning wood inside on the sidelines. And I first stand, I remember standing over trying to get warm and I was shivering, shaking. And, uh, Jerry Mullins, our office guard comes over to me and says, are you okay? I, I, I and I'm going much like you do but he, I'm fine'm I'm fine I'm fine and he says, you sure I, yeah, yeah 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 he said I'm gonna go get the doctor I said, no no, no, no no, don't get the doctor so he goes over and he gets our our physician he comes over and the doc looks at me and he goes, oh, man he said i'm gonna I'm gonna send you in because we had a big lead as you had mentioned in this game he said i'm gonna have to send I'm gonna send you in I said no i, I I'm fine, you know I mean out, outwardly, I'm going. I'm declining. Inwardly, I'm going. Please, please send me in so I can warm up. <laughs> anyway, so he goes. Now we're going to send you in. We're going to send you in. I said, oh, okay. He said because he said we said I I I don't want you to get sick. I mean we we got this game we got a game next week and once you to get pneumonia, you know, and I'm going to send you in. I said, okay, fine. So we're walking off the field. We're walking off the field. He said, I, I'm going to have to tell Chuck. And I'm saying to myself, no. No, 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 don't tell Chuck, don't tell Chuck, to send him in. Yeah, let's just go in. He said, I have to tell Chuck. And I said, no, okay, fine. And I'm just far enough away. He's standing on the sideline looking on the field and Doc goes up to him. And he said, uh, he said, uh, Chuck, he said, I'm, I'm sending Blyer in. He goes, why? And The good doctor goes,
5: he's cold. I <laughs> said, cold? go, we're all cold God gang blah
0: blah 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 All right, send them in. <laughs> so anyway so I go in, oh man, I get out of my clothes, I go to the shower, I soak in it and I got clean clothes on and I'm waiting for you know, so I got a whole nother quarter, you know, and I'm sitting in front of my locker <laughs> sitting in front of my locker, having a having a beer, you know, as are coming in. Afterwards <laughs> I'm all dressed, I feel good about this. So anyway, so <laughs>
3: Yeah,
5: so it, that was a cold, cold playoff game. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, questions
3: for Rock? Always oh, great to speak with you, Rock. And, and, you know, I I think we all associate those old Steeler teams with Three Rivers Stadium. But when you got to the league in 68, uh, you were playing at Pitt Stadium, Um which is kind of strange for, for NFL fans to try to remember back that far. But your memories of just that one year playing there, Rock, uh, about the stadium and fans in general? But the, you know, it was it was it was, uh,
5: it was it was the you
0: know it was the University Stadium, and we right. played there. Um, and so you know, we used their we didn't practice there at all. We used their locker room, obviously. Uh, you know, so it was it was a stadium. Um, you know, I mean, a large crowd was well, maybe twenty five thousand people <laughs> during that period of time. The Steelers only won two games that season. Uh, and, uh, uh, and so, you know, as a, as a rookie, you're, you're just playing, you're there, the stadium's a stadium, um, and, uh, and, uh, it, it, it was just, you know, part of that, it's it part of that experience, and so, uh, eventually Chuck Knoll comes in, by 1970, they built Free River Stadium, and we move into this brand new stadium, um, uh, in nineteen seventy uh for the first for the first time, which was a great great new stadium, but now it was turf it was astroturf a f field, which was something new and uh and uh, in the direction that the n f l was going or new stadiums were going at that time but it was it was like a carpet laid on cement that's what it was. that had its own problems. In, in, in your body and, and, and the and the injuries that you had sustained, you know, trying to cut on Astroturf, you know, you just didn't have the ground to give give way and so on and so on. So um you know, that was that was a big
5: experience difference.
3: And Rock when I think of those teams of the seventies, as as great as all the players and everything, when I think back in those days I think of the Steeler fans and especially like the rabbit, Jarrellas, Gorillas. And Franco's Italian army. Did, were you guys like aware of what was going on in the stand? Did you feed off this stuff? Because even as a neutral guy, I mean, I would just go crazy watching. It was terrific. <laughs> you know, well, it was,
0: and, and you're right. I mean, it was for, for for the Steelers fans that suffered. You know, for forty years of the losingest team in the NFL, uh, and it, you know, it was like a, a, a attached. You know, so winning teams, no matter what you 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 identify with or attach to, you know, was like, oh, well, the same old Steelers. It was like Pittsburgh. The image of Pittsburgh outside of those people who lived here, you know, was steel mill, darkened skies, dusty, you know, who would want to live in Pittsburgh? At least that was the image or the thought process thereafter. They had losing teams uh, in football, uh, and uh, and so that that kind of that kind of covered it all, so when all of a sudden, in the seventies and we start to change, and Chuck comes in and, you know, and by nineteen seventy two the first time in the history of that franchise in forty years, did we win the division and have a you know play i mean so all of a sudden it, it it people became interested, you know, and it started to reflect, and so they started to win, no matter what their job was in the mill um uh, or, or wherever they were, you know, they may be beat up, but ulti- ultimately outside, it was, well, the Steelers, you know, yeah. So now, and the Pirates were coming along at the same time, uh, in the early part of the seventies and winning games and, you know, and, uh, and, and going to the World Series. So all of, a sudden, all of it came together so that the the fan base, you know, started to just Drawn to their their teams, and so you became Steelers fans. And then we had uh, (laughs) Myron Cope who was an announcer, and so then all of a sudden Franco Harrison the immaculate reception, took place, and then the creation of the terrible towel came out, and so then people, you know, started to really embrace what what the Steelers were all about and the team, and then the fan club started, as you were saying. So we had. Bradshaw's Blonde bombers, Lamberts, Lunatics, Jack Hams, Dobra Shunkas, um and uh the uh, Lambert well I said Lambert's Lunatics, <laughs> and, and, and you know what I got? I got Rocky's flying squirrels. But anyways, <laughs> at least I got something during that <laughs> But but that but all of a sudden it it, it, it became then then yeah, what took place in, 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 in the in in the in the seventies was that the steel industry started to crumble. Um and uh and it was closing and jobs um were being uh um, cut out uh and people were out of work and all of a sudden they moved uh and they and they had to find places and so they they moved out of the western Pennsylvania Pittsburgh area and went down to the Carolinas and went down to Florida, went down the south, went every place. But one thing they took with them was their loyalty to the team, and so the Steeler fan base expanded, um, you know, throughout this country, California, uh, West Coast, you know, the Midwest, down to the Southeast, and so on. So that <laughs> when we travel, a lot of times, a, you know, a home game for us on the road, um, that uh, all the Steeler fans got a chance to come you know, to see their team play. So that was an exciting part of that uh, whole transition that uh, that had taken place throughout the 70s.
2: Brock, did you guys get to celebrate those Super Bowl wins? I mean, Chuck not being the rah-rah coach and doesn't seem like a celebratory kind of guy, were you guys able to celebrate in the locker room or afterwards or was it more business (laughs) because winning the Super Bowl is what you were expected to do? (laughs)
0: No no they had you know and they they had, they had uh, the organization you know had a uh, a party after the game you know prearranged um so that the players and their families um uh, it could come and be a part of that celebration uh that evening after the game and so uh they have food and music and uh, so they so the ownership did did a wonderful job, you know, of being able to help celebrate those things in the locker room, you know, right afterwards, of course, a big celebration. And, and unlike today where there's cameras all over and then and, and cell phones and so on, it was a little more quiet at that time. Uh, even though we had, uh, you know, we, we didn't have, we couldn't afford champagne, so we didn't have a lot of champagne that was <laughs> <laughs> being spread all around, you know, so, but anyway, but anyway, yeah, we did, we did have a, you know, we did have a, we did have a party afterwards. And so that was, uh, what it was, it was fun to be able to share that with, uh, you know, with your families that, uh, that everybody would come to.
2: Rocky, just like every Steeler fan, my favorite Rocky Blyer memory is the touchdown that, that you caught near halftime at Super Bowl 13. Um, really propelled the team. Into the second half and onto that victory. Talk about that play and was it designed to come to you? <laughs> well,
0: yeah, well, yeah. So all of a sudden, as you may, uh, it just set that play up for your listeners out there. Um, the score was tied 14 to 14 and we, um, we intercepted the ball and, and got the ball back. And then we moved it down, uh, right before the half. It was, we were down on the seven yard line. And it was a third and one situation. And the play that it had been called was a, um quick pass play. So let me just kind of set it up, if I, if I may, uh, to your uh, listeners out there. So as we broke the huddle, walking up to the line of scrimmage, Bradshaw is behind the center. Franco Harris is behind, uh, Bradshaw. I am to the right of, uh, Franco. The play was a quick pass play action play where I would go at a 45 degree angle down to the line of scrimmage. I would cut down the line of scrimmage at another 45 degree angle, catch the ball over my shoulder, take a 90 degree turn up the field to pick up one or two yards, uh, depending on how the Cowboys would react. And of course they always reacted well. Well, when the ball was snapped, None of that happened. I did break out of my stance, but my opponent jumped across the line of scrimmage and took my path away from me. So the best I could do is cut it short and I took that 90 degree turn up the field. Fred Shaw faked uh, Franco Harrison to the line of scrimmage and when he pulled the ball out looking for the receiver, myself down the line of scrimmage and when he did not pop, ah, well, being a smart, and intelligent quarterback that we perceived him to be, It finally dawned on him that it might be a broken play. So he tucked the ball underneath his arm, scrambled to the right, sideline was looming up, opposite side, larger than life, neanderthal, beans with lobotomies chasing him down, and then it (laughs) happened. Maybe (laughs) once in a lifetime will you ever experience When all of a sudden, across the field, our eyes met, 30 yards separating us, and he released the ball. Maybe a little too, maybe a little too high. And it came floating into the end zone, It came floating into the end zone. I leaped, all five foot, nine and a half inches of me with all my might straight up in the air, as high as I could go. I don't know, 18, 19, 20 feet. I cannot forget <laughs> after all these years. But I caught the ball, came down across the goal line, give us a score and a lead. And of course, the lead, we had never relinquished. Um uh, <laughs> That's why it's my favorite play. Now I'm going to put things in the right perspective for you, so that so that play changed the course of direction, and uh, ultimately we go on and win the game. Some yeah, it it was not but two three weeks ago. You know, I was coming across some statistics of Super Bowl games, and I thought, oh, let me take a look. Let me you know because you kind of forget what you did in a game. You know, play on every. On every play basis. So I went back through my statistics in that game. And <laughs> this is what I found out. In that game, I carried the ball twice and gained one yard. I caught one pass and I recovered one onside kick. But because of that stellar <laughs> play of mine, <laughs> I make the cover for Silver. <laughs> so the lesson learned, it's not how much you do, it's what you do. <laughs> <laughs>
5: <Great>.
0: <laughs> so, anyway, so, you know, you never know what's going to happen like this Super Bowl coming up. You know, big plays may take place. Something, you know, will happen that'll, you know, that, uh, will go down. Somebody's going to make the cover of Sports Illustrated for some spectacular play that they make. Them to win the game or something. And so, uh, <laughs> and so we'll have to wait and see what that might be.
2: Brock, just a couple more before we let you go. And um, you've probably seen uh, ESPO did a documentary about Terry Bradshaw and the title of it's called Going Deep, which is what Terry loved to do. He loved to throw it deep. He talks about <laughs> how he didn't like Little five-yard passes, and I know we've talked to Andy Russell in the past, and Andy told the story about how in practice you'd be going out for a little swing pass or a screen pass, and Brad, you might be 15 feet from Bradshaw, but he'd throw it 100 miles an hour because he never wanted Chuck to think that he could throw a little short pass, so that he could throw it <laughs> deep. Does that sound
0: right? Yeah, well, no, that's right. You're right. I mean, he threw every <laughs> he threw every ball the same speed you know whether you're 10 yards from him you know or 50 yards from him and so if you're 10 yards from him holy mech, you better catch that ball because if it hits you it'll knock you over i mean it was like <laughs> boom, holy, and it was right there. um but uh but that's the way terry was i mean terry wanted to go downfield you know he wanted to he, he wanted to make you know big plays, and so us back You know, on on uh, that outlet pass off to the side, or uh, or a little uh, seven yard curl around. It, 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 the only way you're going to get the ball is everybody, every other receiver out there fell down. (laughs) (laughs) If they fell down, (laughs) then you
5: might get it. uh, Go deep. That was it. Go deep. Go deep. (laughs) deep. (laughs) Great, Bob. One more for Rock before we let him go.
3: Yeah, Rock, right. you played with, with so many Hall of Famers, but let's just hone in on one you mentioned already, Franco Harris. You were there before he got there. You know, he came out and he was a big guy, quick feet, but not every guy with big, a big guy with quick feet gets to the Hall of Fame and everything. Tell, tell more, tell our listeners more about, uh, the reasons why he's in Canton and what made him so good at the pro level. You know the it, i mean
0: it, it, the interesting thing is to to understand Frankel, yes, he was big i mean at that time for us, so I mean he was two hundred and two hundred twenty five two hundred thirty pounds right around in there, six foot three uh, and he had um, and he had great acceleration, you know uh Frankel was also kind of a guy if you see it is that you know he would he would kind of look and pick his thoughts, you know, he would kind of like run into the line, feel it much like the players do today. Mm -hmm. You know, as you look at that tailback coming in the backfield, you know, he'll kind of just kind of dance around and, you know, then all of a sudden you'll pick a hole or you see a hole somewhere off the left side or the right side, and then he'll break. Well, Franco did that way back when. And, you know, so so it was kind of foreign to me, you know, because I, I'm an A to B guy, you know, it's like, oh, well, hit the hole as hard as you can, as fast as you can, um, and, and and you'll be able to pick up some, some yards, you know, but, but Franco as a rookie, you know, would come, there's two things that, that uh, I remember, he would come, and he'd come up to the line, and he would dance around the line, and before he, you know, broke one through through the hole. And finding that hole. And then also just the mentality of running 40 yards, 40 yards, 40 yards. You know, he becomes our all time, you know, leading rusher, um, uh, thousand yard rusher from his rookie year, um, all the way through, uh, and then ultimately the, the plays that he made in between, um, you know, got him into the Hall of Fame. But a lot of it was his own, you know, his own, his own mindset on how a running back should be and how he needs to look and view at uh at, at his position, um and his ability as a big guy to have a, a, a burst and an acceleration uh coming out of his uh coming out of his stance or his break, uh and all of a sudden boom in the higher level. Much like you see, you know, young players today um uh have that kind of uh speed. So, you know, that's uh that that was his strength that's what
5: he did and we, and we took advantage of it advantage of it uh, so now now he was not a great blocker okay he, <laughs> if you have a
0: BG, he was not a great blocker but that's okay we, we'll let him. In. so they had to find somebody who was a good blocker so that's how i got a chance. feel <laughs> yeah, so
5: back back
2: <laughs> rock we got to get your pick for the game are you um you pulling for the Bengals or, uh, or are you, uh, or are you going Rams?
0: You know, you, you, know, it's one of the things that you you know, and I'm looking at, I'm, you know, you look at, the, you look at this game and, I, and, I, and I look at this game and I, I'm, I'm going, I'm not taking anything away from the Bengals or the Rams, you know, but it's from, you know, from maybe a fan perspective is that mm, it didn't, it, it didn't pan
5: to be an exciting game, you know? I mean, it, that don't know much about the Rams you know, and then you got the Bengals or the bungles
0: or whatever you want to call it, you know, and, 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 and the, you know, so I, 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 what I, what I wanted to say, you know, it's not like, um, it, it was not like the bills or the Kansas city, game, you know, um, and, or some of the other games that, you know, had some, some people characters, you know, that you're kind of rooting for, even though you might not be them anyway, but the biggest thing about this game is that here's two teams that deserve to be there because they went through the process. I mean, they got through the process and they won the games they needed to win to be able to do there. Um and maybe maybe not as glitzy as you might have wanted, but they're a good fundamental teams. So as I look at I mean the, we look at the Bengals uh and is that I mean? This is their third time ever in the Super Bowl. Their last time was what, 1988, I think. That the, the Bengals, and so there's a part of me that wants, you know, like the underdog. You know, geez, I hope just because of that experience um, and for your fan base, you know, to be able to come back with a uh, with a win, can you do that? Well, they got a couple of things that they have to do. Which one is shore up that pass protection that has been uh, uh, hanging over them um and uh, been a, a thorn in their side. So that is, you know, that is to give Joe Burrows the, the chance to be able to do the things that he do, that question of the offensive line. So we have to see whether or not the, they can pick, you know, pick up uh, the uh, Rams' uh, defense. And the Rams got a great defense. And I've always thought that the the, the road to the Super Bowl, especially the win, Goes through your defense. Yeah. Team that has defense all the way through is the one that ultimately is, you know, is, is going to win. So given that pace is that, you know, the Rams are four point favorite. I think they have a, 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 they have at least shown a, a stronger defense, better defense, great defensive rush, uh, uh, than the Bengals have. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm, I'm taking the Rams in, in this game, um, with their four points. So I, I think that they, um, they'll be able to be, but, but anything can happen. That's why they play the game, you know, isn't it? You know, so, uh, you know, you got to go out there and you got to play the game. You can't hold like some teams folded in the, in the, in, in, you know, in the, in the playoff games, you know, you go, all right. How can you, I mean, you,
5: for instance, I mean, not to, not point the finger, but you go, but Packers, how can you, how can you fold? I mean, how can you go and play a
0: game like they did and lose, you know, given the record that they had and the, and the people, but it happened, you know, but it happens and it happens in Super Bowls as well. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah. I'm looking forward to to a good game, see how uh, the Bengals uh, adapt to the Rams uh, defense. Um, and what they will do to offset that, see if they can get it going. And, um, uh, and so it's, it, it it it'll, it'll just, it'll be an interesting game from that perspective.
2: Rock, we can't do a segment with you without giving a shout out to our good friend Gretchen Birnbaum at G Money on Twitter, <laughs> folks. But we, we can't, we can't let the, the time go by with you without, uh, saying hello to Gretchen.
0: Okay. Well, oh, okay. So thank you very much. Uh, because now she'll want, uh, she'll want more stuff. <laughs> <laughs> she'll hear this and she'll go, Oh my God. <laughs> 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 anyway, so thanks for that shout out. She'll, she'll enjoy it. I'll I'm check, sorry. I'll check in with That's
2: correct. <laughs> Brock, let our listeners know how we can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing, whether it's on your website or it's on social media.
0: That's a, uh, you, you can do either way on uh, what's website or social media. You can go to social media. Gretchen does a great job <laughs> <in> taking <laughs> care of me and making sure that gets out
5: there.
2: <laughs> well, Rock, we can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to come back and be a part of the show. You're absolutely one of our all-time favorites. Going all the way back to <laughs> 2011, you've been great wow, with, uh, wow. with been coming on the long. show. My
0: goodness, Thank you guys for having me. Been a pleasure. Always will. Always so, an honor. Thank you, bro.
2: Bob. Oh, let me ask you. What do you guys? Who you guys for? uh well, as a Pittsburgher. There's no way I'm rooting for Cincinnati, Rock. I'm all in on. I'm all in on, on the Rams. I can't. I can't go. I can't go Bengals. Yeah. I know. I know, I know. All right. That's fine. I
0: understand.
2: <laughs> Rock, take care, my friends. Stay. Stay safe. All the best, to you and your family. We look forward to catching up with you again soon.
3: Talk soon, Rock. You guys
0: uh, you guys as well. Thanks for Bob. I appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks sir, Rocky. night
2: That's a great Rocky Blyer boy. And it's just you know, one of the great things about having Rock on the show, Bob, is not only do you get great stories, but it's you know, it's the fun and the laughter and everything else that comes along with it. It just it just makes this segment so much fun.
3: Yeah, it's a tremendous personality, Chris, and uh but you're right about I don't know, we've had well, so many great storytellers on this show, but he's right at the top, man. And, you know, for yes, good reason. Is. I mean, between his on the field and off the field stuff, uh, Super Bowls, Hall of Fame, I, we could go all night, uh, you know, 12 times we've spoken with him and let's just hope there's another dozen, uh, coming
5: yeah, up.
2: Absolutely. All right. When Bob and I come back, we'll be turning on our Thursday night tailgate spotlight on the positive here. Are two more great stories about guys doing great things in their communities. We'll do that right on the other side of this real quick station break.
6: Thursday night tailgate, where the spotlight is always on the positive. Tune in Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern time to hear your favorite NFL legends, players, and coaches sharing their stories. Now back to Chris and Bob. I wouldn't joke about anything else that happened to you tonight.
2: All right, we're back here on Thursday night, tailgate, and we're turning on our spotlight on the positive. Bob, who are you spotlighting this week?
3: Well, Chris, you know, during the week we've heard, you know, of course what makes the news is a couple knuckleheads doing things off the field. That's what gets on the headlines uh, of all the websites. And what we're about to talk about now is stuff that you you and I are here to deliver, and that's what I'm going to do here. I'm going to bring to attention tonight linebacker Anthony Barr, of the Vikings, Chris. First of all, I mean, this is a guy I think he's been very underrated in his career. He's played seven years, eight years now out of UCLA. He's made four Pro Bowls, and I'd be, I'd be pretty positive that many people out there probably don't even know who he is. You know, Anthony Barr, probably because he plays in Minnesota. You know, they haven't been in the postseason that much, but this guy's been very, very good on, on the field. So I said, let me check out Walter Payton Man of the Year Award nominees for the Vikings, and he is that this year. Um, uh, you know, he's, he's been an instrumental guy on their defense since he's got in the league. But, you know, I mean, bottom, bottom line off the field, Chris, he grew up in a single parent home and, uh, he really got a very close up view when he was very young, how tough it is for a single parents just to, to live day to day, you know, and, uh, dreams of getting to college seem so far fetched in a situation like that. And ever since he came in the league, he says, I have to give back. I have to tackle this poverty that that causes. And, um, uh, he has one of the great names of any organization named after himself, Raise the Bar. And it's terrific, you know, but, uh, that his foundation, Chris, it's all about fundraising efforts about, uh, needs for single parent homes and things like that. And people that are having trouble, uh, making ends meet. Um, you know, he's partnered up with something called the Jeremiah program, which provides housing and, and other things for single parents. Uh, that was even before he started raise the bar, but I mean, it's just some of the things he does, Chris, I mean, he, he, he awards scholarships, um, you know, some that are renewed each year with an average of about $3,500, both in California, where he went to college and of course, in Minnesota, um, you know, he, and he, and the best part of him, whoever he. Give scholarships for, and they may be, you know, young kids or whoever gets the money. He keeps in touch with them, Chris, and he really sees them right through the process. You know, um, he wants them, everyone to succeed. He hangs out with kids. You know, he invites kids to his place. Um, you know, it's just, and, and, and some of his success stories are incredible. Some of the kids that got scholarships from him, one is serving the homeless population. Uh, one is teaching kids with special needs. One is actually studying things to do for cleaner water. And another thing he does, you know, for people that have rough starts, starts in life, he visits juvenile detention centers often. And just to let these young guys know, you know, that if they can get their thing, they get their lives on straight. I mean, they could actually have a very positive future. And he's done a lot of that. And, uh, he's set so many kids on straight paths. Uh, from the Raise the Bar Foundation. It's just a great story. And, again, if you want to know more about him, um, there's a video. And you can read the story on the NFL Man of the Year website. Uh But Anthony Barr, linebacker for the Vikings, he may be underrated, Chris, but we had to shout him out tonight.
2: Absolutely. What a great story, Bob. And to your point about being um maybe underappreciated for Pro Bowl, I mean, that's, right. that's tremendous. So he's had a tremendous career on the field, but uh, certainly doing a heck of a lot off the field as well. Um, I'm going to put my spotlight this week, Bob, on Raiders Pro Bowl tight end Darren Waller and his foundation. He created it because he believes that everybody on this earth has a light inside of them that's meant to shine for the world to see. A light that's meant to make the world a better place. And the mission of his foundation is to equip youth to avoid and overcome addiction to drugs and alcohol and support youth and their families during the recovery and the treatment process as well. so he's doing some great things with the uh, with the youth of uh, Las Vegas now since the Raiders moved there this year. His foundation has already provided individuals dealing with addiction treatment at Landmark Recovery, which is a facility there in Vegas, and that treatment lasts somewhere between 30 and 35 days, and the treatment costs $15,000 apiece. So total cost for the nine kids that he's already helped is $135,000 paid for by his foundation. They had a fundraiser back in September where they raised another half a million dollars for more inpatient treatment for kids fighting addiction in the Las Vegas area. And Darren got things rolling by no by donating $50,000 out of his own pocket. So his foundation is doing great stuff there. Plus, they've got other programs that they're doing as well. One's called Wall Talk. And that's where students who don't have positive role models and are at higher risk for engaging in substance abuse, well, they can get messages and, and text back and forth with Darren. And he shares his personal experience and the victory that he had over substance abuse as a kid. The messages are personal connections between the kids and Darren. He's helping them, you know, if they're tempted to, to, to take drugs, if they're tempted to, to drink alcohol, they're in a bad situation with with um, uh, other kids, they, they may be getting peer pressure, stuff of that nature. Well, he gives them an open opportunity to text him and he tries to help them and talk through it and get them away from the situation. He also has a student awareness program to give kids the motivation and the confidence to say no to drugs at school. His foundation put on a concert recently. It was titled The Concert to Shine On as a Night for Inspiration for Kids. So Darren Waller is doing a heck of a lot to try to prevent kids from going down the wrong path. And if they happen to have stumbled and gone down that path, well, he's trying to help them out of it through the substance abuse programs and, and the things that he's doing there as well. So. Kudos to Dan Waller tonight, Bob, for the great things he's doing for the youth and big.
3: I think it's great, Chris. The thing that I think about just during the, your description was such a hands-on kind of guy. And I think every person we feature in this segment, it, it's it's all hands-on stuff. You know, there are athletes out there. You know, they'll hire guys to run a charity or whatever. You know that happens, Chris. But I think every guy we talk to, there is so much... Uh, proof of how hands on they are. I mean these guys in the NFL can't lie about going to hospitals during the week, Chris and everything else. Uh but my right. other point was why don't we read about guys like Waller but we read about the guys that are behind bars. You know, that that's the thing that you and I are out to change. But um uh, right. it was just it's so refreshing to hear what he's doing. Uh, what Barr is doing. And, and again, this is the best segment because it just, it, it eliminates all that negativity that we see all week. At least I know on Thursday night, we, uh, can have a smile when we go to bed, right?
2: <laughs> That's right. Enough of, enough of the bad stuff. And you, you can always find the good stuff here. And, and, and the, and the sad thing is it's not hard to find, but it's, it's very rarely publicized more than, uh, on the back pages. So we're glad to put that on the front table for, uh, for all you guys. All right, my friend, it is time for us to put a bow on this episode of Thursday Night Tailgate. We want to say thanks again to Kevin Chalfant, Tony Collins, Tony Reno, and Rocky Blyer for joining us tonight. And as always, Bob, thank you so much for sharing your Thursday nights with me, my friend.
3: I uh, I want to thank you for the same, Chris. And those guys, those guests tonight were just old friends, and they come back all the time. And uh, what can I say, but we just love their devotion.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Right. And I think that that speaks to the quality of the show. You know, we have uh we have really great friends that have been on like Rocky twelve times now, been been with us since two thousand and eleven, but they keep coming back and and, uh I think that speaks uh that speaks volume. So we're thankful to all of those guys for being great friends. How can you follow Bob and I on social media? Well, on Twitter and Instagram, you can find me at CT Mascaro. Bob is on Twitter, at Bob underscore Lazarin. The show is at TNT Podcast. Visit us on Facebook as well. Both Bob and I have our own Facebook pages, and we have one for the show, Thursday Night Tailgate. Please click that Like button. We appreciate that very much. Please check out our website, ThursdayNightTailgate.com. On there, you'll be able to stay up to date with what our guest schedule looks like. Plus, you can find the show available as a podcast on just about every major podcasting site and app. You'll see us out there on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Amazon Music, Spotify, Podbean, iTunes. If you've got a favorite podcasting app, just type in Thursday Night Tailgate in the search menu. You'll probably find us on there as well. Bob, take us home, my friend.
3: All right, Chris. Great show. We want to thank our announcer, Joe Lagenusa, for the wonderful job he always does with our intro and ads. We want to thank Kyle Turley and the Kyle Turley Band for the upcoming outro music. And on behalf of myself and Chris, we want to thank everyone that was listening tonight. We appreciate you the very most. Until next week, good night, Kevin. Good night, Terry. Good night, Rusty and good night, Coach Reeves. We miss you guys.
7: No.